Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm Andy Clef, and I am so delighted to have as my co-host tonight, the one, the only, Colleen Johnson. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm happy to be with you all tonight. Been way too long. You want to grab the baton, the the speaking stick, and introduce our panels? Yes, we are going to go through this amazing panel we have and ask everyone here to introduce themselves via their superpower. So we're going to start with Gary. Um, Gary Miller, will you please share with us what your superpower is? Hey, hello, team. This is Gary. Thanks for the introduction. I would have to say my superpower is renewable optimism. I always think something can be improved or fixed or changed if we just uh, put our hearts and minds to it. Awesome. Sounds very agile of you, Gary. Next up, we have Jeff Burstein. Jeff, will you tell us about your superpower? I will. I'm actually Gary's sidekick, and my superpower is that I can see what a better system might look like. Love it. Love it. Next up, we have Jessica Cavallero. Jessica, can you tell us about your superpower? Hi, everyone. I think my superpower is having extraordinary high levels of energy so that I can try to achieve all of the things that Gary and Jeff want uh, can envision. <laughs> it's a required complementary superpower, it sounds like, for this, for this group. Love it. All right. Next up, we have Dr. LaDonna Griffin. LaDonna, will you share your superpower with us? Hello, everyone. Absolutely. I My superpower, along with Gary, Jessica, and Jeff, um, I can see it. I see it clearly. A lot of vision, visionaries in this group, it sounds like. All right. And last but not least, Rosalind Jackson, can you share your superpower with us? Sure. Hello, everyone. Um, I believe my superpower is empathy. So I can feel the pain of everyone going through those pain points as Jeff, Jessica, Gary, and LaDonna try to push us to see that vision and help us try to reach those goals. Wow. I love this, this superpower team that we have here. I'm not sure for DC Comics or Marvel um, what the equivalents would be, but um, we have as a common ground, and we'll unpack these backgrounds as we go, we're all agilists and we're all educators in our different ways. And we're gonna dive into that as we go. At a very high level, what brought us all together in this panel was 
the last couple of years, I call it 2020, the trilogy that just won't stop. It's really brought to light the level of challenge that exists in the U.S. educational system. And similar to the need for change that software developers experienced 20 years ago that catalyzed the manifesto for agile software development, maybe it's time to pull together something for agile in education. So our, our panelists here have a few ideas. We also have some case studies to share on how they're working to prepare the next generation to meet the challenges that face them. Yeah, and in, in thinking about those um, challenges, we took an agile approach to thinking through the vision statements for each of the parties involved in education. We got this group together to think about this in the format of, of how to build out this hypothesis for an epic with each of these personas. And we'll, we'd love to kick this off with what this means from a vision perspective for teachers and educators. I'm going to hand that over to Rosalind. Awesome. Thank you. Well, the bottom line is that we believe that teachers definitely have a need for more joy in their work, more joy of doing that classroom teaching relating to students. We know that we will have success in achieving more joy for teachers when teachers are staying in the classroom, when they're not a part of the great resignation, when their level of energy in the classroom increases, their involvement with students increase. We know that this will improve the number of teachers using and pulling agile methods into their classrooms, into their lessons. Um, and we can see that and measure that hopefully through student feedback, student perception assessments, definitely student engagement. And again, the teachers are staying in the classroom. They're not leaving. Wow. I love that vision. Jessica, tie it into the students, the other side of the coin. Yeah. So a major part of uh, the stakeholders in education are the students. And so we believe that students tend to be blocked by the traditional ways of education where it is a push-based system and that when they are allowed to pull their own learning, they become um, intrinsically motivated and their natural curiosity comes out. We know that students will succeed when they are inspired and their learning can be personalized by themselves. So they get to pull happily and excitedly in agile friendly classrooms, they increase their community awareness, they increase engagement, and they become self-starters, refining all kinds of different skills that are necessary for them to go out into the world and be successful in, in any means of ways. We know that this will improve student engagement in education as the students are able to build collaboration skills, time management skills, 21st century skills, they're able to work their own Kanban. So they're doing their own project management. And this brings them overall happiness because they're not sitting in those traditional classrooms of the past. They're able to, um, they're able to regulate themselves and personalize their learning and reach out into the world and grab those really meaningful lessons for them. And so this is what makes it special for our students. I love that. Yeah, pull-based education is such a powerful concept, especially when you think about that as a parent. I get excited about this, obviously, and I'd love to hear from LaDonna about what this vision looks like for the parents that are involved. Absolutely. We do believe that agile-minded parents that have positive relationship with their kids and teachers, you know, the shared superpowers. When they're sharing that power, they might be willing to share a podcast with the teacher if the contents were user-friendly for the teacher and inviting the teacher to a lean coffee with other teachers 
using Agile in the classroom. When that power is shared between parents and teachers, parents uh, are more willing. Uh, We all know that parents are truly the first teachers. And so if just sharing that power, we know that we will have succeeded when um, inspired listeners and teachers invite agile-minded parents as well for teachers. We know that this will also impact and improve the number of educators that are willing to experiment with Agile in ways that it can work in their classrooms as well. So a big push of today's podcast will be talking to the parents in our audience. We know our listeners are Agilists as a heart, uh, usually practitioners, but we're also tapping into your parentness and for some people, their grandparentness. So there's so much power here in our listening audience. If any of those previous visions resonated, keep listening. So in order to put a lot of this into practice, I'm sure you need some buy-in from school administrators. Let's talk about what this vision looks like for those administrators. Jeff, we'd love to hear from you what is required and what, what is the hope for the administrators in making this a reality? Well, given the volatile nature of running an education system, especially as it kind of really uncovered by the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, we really did kind of build the LEAF framework starting from the hypothesis that if we could introduce an agile mindset into education systems, starting with leadership, you know, from what we've learned in introducing this in industry, that we really do stand a better chance of designing educational systems that are built around the student as the customer, focusing on, you know, the choices and decisions are made around ensuring that the students are getting the highest value as opposed to some of the decision-making that we've seen over the last two years by people in various leadership roles in education. Jeff, you mentioned something that that caught my attention here, and I'm sure for our listeners, they're they're curious more about what you mean by the LEAF framework. Can you unpack that a little bit and tell us what the, the LEAF framework is? Yeah, from a very high level, the LEAF framework is essentially an approach to scaling agility within the context of educational institutions. It was born out of the Kind of the feedback that we got two years ago as we started talking agility uh, in the educational sector, there was this visceral response to, well, we're not building software, we don't sell a product, we do this other thing. And so with the intention of kind of overcoming some of the obstacles that we've been, you know, kind of wading through for the last 20 years and doing agile transformation in the, you know, industry and in government, our approach was, hey, let's let's go back to basics. Let's identify some of the core things that any agile organization needs to be good at. And now let's build a scaffold that will sound more familiar and be more comfortable for educators. And so that is the learning hyphen educational agile framework, simply a scaling framework to bring agility into the educational sector from the classroom all the way up to, you know, secretary of education for the United States of America or the UN or the galaxy, whatever. We didn't do a persona for the, um, the galaxy level. We, we might have to go back and work some of that. We may, we may have to check with Douglas Adams. So. It was an oversight. That happens. 
It was good so, enough. Welcome, Simon. Hey. You just dropped in. Um, for our listening audience, they have no awareness that you just beamed onto the, the, the deck here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So we're about ready to dive into what you touched on, Jeff, actual practice. So we, we covered all the visions up to school admin on a U.S. basis. We didn't go uh, international or uh, intergalactic, but uh, maybe that's topics for another show. But these, these epics, these epic hypotheses, apparently aren't pipe dreams, as our panelists have some direct experience with actually using these ideas and validating them. So I'd love to hear some stories, some evidence of positive impacts in the world. Um, Jessica, let's start with you. Give us a little background on your journey, how you got here, before you dive into details of your classroom experience. Thank you. So I was born and raised in New York, got my first job teaching in East Harlem, moved to Connecticut, all in public schools, and then ended up moving to Florida and working in a private school. So lots of different experiences in lots of different classrooms all over the East Coast of America. Very happily teaching project-based learning and design thinking through my social studies curriculum in a middle school setting. Um, always trying to experiment with new ideas, always trying to bring in real world skills into my classroom. That's just me, that's my pedagogy, um, is making sure my kids are prepared beyond the content. When the pandemic hit, my kids, like everyone else, we all went distance learning. And so while I was building pretty strong project-based learning lessons, my kids were giving me feedback about how lonely and isolated they were. And it came to me that my middle school kids didn't actually understand how to make social connections when they weren't in a classroom together. And that none of the apps that we thought our kids were on all the time were actually connecting them in a healthy way. And at that point, I needed to find a solution because who knew how long the pandemic was gonna last in April of 2020. You didn't know if you were ever going back to school and what was going to happen to my kids. So I started looking around and literally trip and fell over Scrum. And I Googled it and said, oh my God, adults do what I do, but with other adults, I just had no idea that, that it was an actual industry. How did you accidentally trip over Scrum? Being high energy and a little adventurous, I'm constantly reaching out and trying to find new professional development. So I get emails where they're trying to sell me courses all the time. And someone said, get certified in Scrum. And I went, oh, that, that's an interesting word. Why wouldn't I want to be certified in Scrum? And that's kind of how this whole journey started. Beautiful. So I, I looked into Scrum. I read the book. I read um, you know, the Scrum guide. It all made perfect sense to me. Maybe not in your world, but in my world, it made perfect sense. And I went about enacting it in my classroom starting that August when we launched virtually and then went back to a hybrid setting. So I initially set up my Scrum classroom in a virtual Teams, completely online with middle school kids, transitioned back into the classroom where I had half my kids in front of me and half my kids spread all over the country. I had kids in Alaska, kids in California, kids in, in North Carolina. So, so you, you pre-COVID, were these kids all in the same location and then COVID hit and they distributed, dispersed? Yes, all for different health reasons and different, just the parents' lifestyles. They said, I don't, if there's going to be a pandemic, I'm going to go live in the wilderness, which is not a bad idea. 
<laughs> Colleen, you and I have experienced many development teams that, that did the same thing. You mean I don't have to commute to the office? Um, I can live everywhere? Yeah, that, I'm going to go buy that lighthouse, right, and, and move in. So, so tell us, so that was August, and then how long did this experiment run? School year? Well, yeah, I started a blog about it just to kind of keep myself honest. Part of that reflection process for myself was to write down what was going well. Um, my kids were taking off. It was incredible. My kids started with social contract theory, studying, you know, philosophers in the 1600s and were making real life connections to modern, the modern day world while working in virtual teams and running their own Kanban boards. At that point, Jeff reached out to me with Leaf and said, are you interested in taking this up a notch and, and learning something that will really rock your classroom and your teaching style and Again, high energy and adventurous. I said yes, and I dragged Roz with me. Beautiful. All right. What were the results? They were incredible. You tested it. You shipped it. What did you learn? That when you take the constraints off of students, they can do anything. And you intrinsically know this as a teacher, but when you really take the constraints off, uh, it was incredible. So through a year of doing this, at the beginning, the kids took, it took them about two weeks to break down a project into a Kanban board. By the last project, they did it in under a day. They broke out a, a six-week program in under a day and built their tasks and their stories and everything. My students didn't need me anymore. So, you know, I went from a teacher that was constantly involved and I would go around and ask my kids in small groups what they needed from me and they'd tell me to go away, that they were they were busy. Their end of year project, they built their own interactive hands-on, both in-person and virtual American history museum that was geared towards middle school students. So they all got a they all picked their own specialization topic and then all built exhibits both in person and online. So everyone got to engage with it. And they didn't need me and they didn't want me. <laughs> which is so sad as a really engaged teacher, but such a prideful moment in that these kids really took off. And, you know, American history is not all fun and games. It, you know, there's tough parts, there's empathy, there's relationships, there's, there's a lot of building within that. There's so many skills in, in learning real history. And those kids did a phenomenal job and were really able to you know, we built out user stories of what does what does a middle school student want from a museum? And so instead of building these, you know, giant cases of text like we see in, in adult museums, they were like, no, we want no text. So we had everything from dioramas. We had we had a girl that reenacted like a talk show, like Jerry Springer show with the with the fight of World War One, like the initiation of World War One. They really brought it to them and then expressed it out in a way that would appeal to their own age group, which made it a really incredible learning experience. Oh, that's incredible. Okay, so to that, I would actually say if we were to put it into the context for our Agilist listeners, right? what we did with these eighth grade students is we showed them, hey, here is a context under which you can now self-organize and actually manage your own work as organized teams operating in this Scrum framework, allow them to do it for a little bit, and then we really turn loose their educational potential by simply shifting them over to a flow-based system and getting out of their way. Beautiful. Well, it makes me so happy to hear all of this about Kanban and, and the students pulling and organizing their work in a flow, you know, in a flow-based system like this. It's really incredible. Um, I had the opportunity to do some of that during COVID 
unfortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, at home with my kids too. And it is, I can relate to some of your excitement around it, Jessica. Took some pressure off. Um, Rosalind, I would love to hear a little bit about your background. I know you have a similar case study to this that is um, a, a different part of the classroom. And, and we'd love to hear um, about your background and journey first into how you learned about Agile and how you decided to apply it for your classes. Okay, great. Um, I got into teaching a little bit differently. I was a lawyer first and I hated billable hours. And so I switched to teaching. I taught kindergarten and first grade for one year. Um, little ones aren't my gift. So I moved to middle school and I've taught um, all grades in middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth, but science was always my area. With this project, um, similar to Jessica, COVID threw everybody for a loop, um, including me. I was one of those teachers that was, quite frankly, looking to get out of the classroom. And Jessica came to me at the beginning of the year when um, she first stumbled upon Scrum. And mentally, to be transparent, I just wasn't there yet. I was freaked out by COVID and I was looking to get out. But I stayed and because I wanted to figure out how to make it better for the students, when you're there and you see them going through it, you're like, okay, how am I going to do this? Just like Jessica, I was a project-based kind of teacher, always wanted to make it fun. I wanted to make it interesting. And that is a challenge to be able to figure out in the world of COVID and separation and plexiglass and all of that kind of stuff. So I like a challenge. And that was the thing that helped me to stay. What made it better was after Jessica got with Jeff, she was like, hey, you got to try this. And just like Jessica, I am all for anything that is going to benefit students. And the crazier, the better. Let's try it. So um, I jumped all in and I've never regretted it since. My case study involved um, the students actually creating their own science unit from start to finish. So the unit that they had to teach to each other was about rocks and minerals. Um, and they had to create it. They had to relate it to the real world. So they had to make sure that they created the lesson. They asked certain questions. The most important part was, though, they had to create a hands-on lesson to be able for us to apply their real-world application, and then they had to come up with an assessment. The cool thing about this was, again, I didn't get the question that all teachers get, why do I need this? The question was there. So they, once we started applying agile methodologies in the classroom, I never got that question anymore. And similar to Jessica, when I would go around to the different groups that would do this, because among the six periods of classes that we had, there were about four to five groups in each class. So each one of the teams or groups in each class had to come up with their own unit, their own labs, their own assessments. And when you're going around to these different groups to ask them, hey, how are you guys doing? Just like Jessica, I got the looks like Ms. Jackson, can you please leave us alone? We got it. And usually when I do the rocks and minerals unit among those six classes, I can get them to cover maybe one or two labs at the most. And two labs are for the high flying classes. This time when we were done with that activity, I had about 30 different labs. And so they did everything from some of the traditional stuff that you'll see if they YouTubed it, where they're melting the crayons to show the different things. Some of them had us do salt scrubs. One group had us actually 
create granite kind of countertop tables because that's how they use it in the real world. Um, so we're actually doing construction in the classroom. So whatever they could come up with, my limitation was as long as you don't blow the school up and you don't get me fired, let's go for it and see what happens. And they went for it and it was amazing. They controlled it. They were harder on each other in the assessments than typically we are. And the level of creativity was something that I had not seen. And I've been teaching for almost 20 years. It was amazing. That is amazing. And it's so interesting to hear that the, the, um, you know, the side effect of empowerment, right, for the students is that they're more engaged, they're more excited from, you know, in both of your stories and yours and Jessica's, it's, um, you know, what we hope to see when we're doing this with software development teams, but even more exciting when you think about how that translates to the education experience for the student. It's amazing. Sounds like next on deck, we're going to tackle um, a different use case. I'll kick this over to you, Andy, to tee it up. So Simon, you, you came in a little late and you, you, you dodged the initial question. What is your superpower? Oh, curiosity. Awesome. Can I tell you how I know? Yes. How do you know? When I was a kid, I thought that if basically people were conspiring behind my back to annoy me because everyone that I could remember at one point asked me the question, why do you ask so many questions? <laughs> so that's my hypothesis. That is my hypothesis. It's, it's curiosity. So we got a little bit of your background, childhood. Uh, fast forward a little bit to your recent working experience, both in education and agile, and tell us your background. Sure, yeah, let me give you like the 60 second background. Like Jessica, I was trained in progressive ed, sort of foundationally at progressive boarding schools on the East Coast. Wonderful chances to lead and learn. And I graduated from independent school work right around the time that COVID hit. Um, I got invited to do other work that was just too tasty to turn up. And let's see. Yeah, so I guess the thing that's relevant here is, you know, while I was an educational leader, I was one of those leaders who believed that authentic leadership looks like servant leadership, which is to say that I needed to practice the craft of teaching while I was uh, running the school. Um, and so mostly I taught econ and new ways of working known to your audience as agile. But I continued to stay involved in schools as a board member. Um, so I, oh, and I should say while I was head, I also served on the New York State Commission on Accreditation for the NYSEIS organization. So I got like a deep, deep bath in accreditation and sort of education standards. Yeah. And so now I just, I sat on a couple of boards of local schools um, and have a ton of fun. Fun combined with curiosity, very important. Yes. Tell us a little bit about working with the admin team as you introduce this concept. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the thing, <laughs> the thing about educational leadership is you want to believe that you're in a complicated decision environment, but it's not. It's actually profoundly complex. And so you spend as a leader a lot of your time pretending to know things you can't reasonably know and convincing people that you know more than you do. And so because that's just really hard to do in a sustained way and have it not feel inauthentic or just too difficult to manage, visible ways of working that that agile promotes just make school a joy because sort of for, as a board member the work of the board becomes visible and so you hold that in common with the admin team and when you can create that transparency and visibility from leadership about what the real direction is you know what the value stream is uh things just get way easier and so like we're, we're collaborating with with several groups of administrators now you know school leaders 
And it's just, it's a hoot to work with, you know, senior leadership, heads of schools, administrative teams of school, you know, senior leadership teams. Um, and to see, <laughs> just to see them get geeked about visible, visible work uh, and just how much turbulence comes out of the system when the work becomes visible. So you, you've taken Scrum or Kanban and applying it to the board of directors or the school admin yep. Yep. And, yep. and putting in pray, place all, all the generally accepted best practices for any of these frameworks of plan, yes, commit, review. Yep. Plan, review, commit. Fantastic. Yep. And, you know, the funny thing about schools is they're usually and quite explicitly, although sometimes allegedly about learning institutions that are there for learning. And yet sometimes the adults don't quite apply the same standard to the students that they would encourage the students to have for themselves. Um, and so Agile is just a way for everyone to just like eat their own dog food in a really servant leadershipy sort of way. So it's like, there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be heroic. It just needs to be, you know, human and funny and loose. That's a wonderful segue to the next topic. These stories are amazing and, and hearing the, you know, the side effects of putting these agile practices into place for all different parts of the school is super exciting. Um, it's got me wondering what happens next, right? What do you look for in an organization or a school or an environment to say this, this organization is ready for this? Um, you know, in agile, we refer to it as a definition of ready, but I'm sure that, that finding these opportunities where things aren't going well, probably just like in software development is probably not too hard, unfortunately. So what do you try to seek out when you're finding um, the right places to try these experiments? Jeff, you want to go first or Raj, you want to go first? Yes. If I can, just like for teachers, if that's possible. For teachers, I think um, a definition of ready is definitely being willing to try. Um, if you're at the end of the rope, you're frustrated, you're burnt out, you're like how I was, you're thinking about leaving, even if you're not out of the classroom yet, but it's in the back burner, should I quit, especially at the end of the year right now? What am I going to try? The kids are crazy this year with their behavior. How am I going to get them back in control? I used to have classroom management, but now after COVID, they don't know how to act in class. All of the different things that we all go through, I believe that you are ready to try an agile type of framework in your classroom. What I would um, caution against though, is that it's not just one more thing to learn um, for teachers. Um, teachers already are burnt out. We don't want to do another like two or three days of professional development where you learn this new thing and you throw everything out before that you learned. I don't believe that's what agility is. That's not how it worked for me. I still use similar lessons. Um, I was a teacher that never used the same lesson every year anyway. So um, you still have that same core, though. If you have that same capstone project, you still use the similar lesson. Um, you still have those materials that you've curated that's good. And if you are willing to, if you're burnt out and you're willing to actually release some of that control as the teacher and let the kids kind of, like we were saying before, pull the lessons to them. It's still the same lessons. You're still doing the same things, but you're allowing the students to actually use what they need. And as you're talking through that, Roz, I, you know, it makes me wonder what does, what does ready have to look like for an administrator? Do teachers need permission from administrators to try and experiment with this in the classroom or is there buy-in required? And I guess a secondary question to that is, does that vary if it's public or charter or private school, how much permission is required? For my experience, it, um, 
I didn't need permission from my admin. I was in an independent school. So what was a benefit or a privilege for me is that as long as we were trying something and the students were performing well, we were encouraged. Um, some limitations though for some independent schools or public schools might be though, if you don't have that same kind of freedom, if you have certain assessment constraints, if you have certain time constraints, if you are required to teach by a lesson plan, then you might not have that same amount of freedom. Um, and that's why I think the goal with what we did in the classroom is progress, not perfection. So try one thing, try that one project. You're not trying to do an entire lesson plan for a year that's based in Agile. Try one thing for one unit, one lesson and see how it works. Give choice to those students for one assignment and see how it goes. Um, from my experience, I guarantee you, you will be impressed and you'll want it more. It's like a drug. You'll want it more. You'll see the benefits. The students will want it more. They will crave it. My students, when we're done with the project, they're like, Ms. Jackson, what project are we doing next? That didn't happen before. And so what, what has to be true for the students? You're, I think you're kind of teeing that up next for us. And if anybody wants to jump in here, I'd love to hear what do you look for in the classroom itself from your students to feel like they're ready to run this experiment? I'll just jump in real quick. And I would say for students and for parents alike, is you just have to be unwilling to be at the whim of the current systems and just start asking for something new, right? The traditional ways of doing education are not going to help us catch up when they barely had us keep pace. So if, if one of the things that's important is making up all this lost time, the things that barely had us keeping up with the rest of the world are not all of a sudden going to help us catch up all this lost time. Sounds like what got us here, like what got you here won't get you there, right? I just wanted to jump in for students and say that the students are already ready. Our students came out of COVID different, different generations. And so we typically, if you ever sit in a faculty room with a bunch of teachers, we'll hear like the, the kids just can't learn. The kids can't do this, the, you know. And there, there is that thing that different generations need to adapt to the older generation. But what it really is, is that the older generation needs to adapt to the younger generation. They are the ones that are building the new future. They're growing up in a completely different time period than we all grew up in. And we're obviously not that old, but they see the world in a different way. They're growing up in an economy where you create your own path. The lesson plans then that were created by traditional education do not apply to their lives. So they don't know the value I teach history. They don't know why they need to know why George Washington crossed the Delaware uh, in the Revolutionary War. They need to know how those lessons of the American Revolution apply to their current day life. And so the students are ready. They're so ready to pull. They're so ready for a teacher to trust them and give them some kind of agency. I mean, when you think about it, ever since your child was a toddler, they've been wanting autonomy and choice. And this is a very safe, structured way for them to have that autonomy and choice and learn those lessons and build those skills in a safe environment um, while getting better and better and learning all the different content areas. So we're not saying throw the content out, but giving the students choice um, and agency in a poll-based system completely changes the environment that they're in and the and how rich their education can be. So just like Jeff said, they, they need a different kind of education because it's a different kind of world. Our kids want it. And if I can speak as a parent, 
the parents want it too, because I do not want to see my kids coming home with worksheets or writing their words three times over or, or any of those, because I know that it's not applying to the world that they're going to grow into. So as a parent, I'm demanding that systems change so that my students, my kids receive the kind of education that will serve them best in the future. So I, I feel like students are ready, parents are ready. We need to get everyone else on, on board so we can really, I mean, imagine the kind of world that we would have if your students graduated with these agile skills at, a, at 18 instead of having to go to four more years of college yeah. um, to, get, to get a good job. Yeah, and I think that's an amazing way to talk about it too. I think, you know, where we meet some resistance, right, is in the old way of doing things is the only way of doing things in all different sectors, right? Of This is the way it's always been. Um, and you talked about parents, Jessica, what, you know, what has to be true for parents to be ready and get involved? And let's, let's consider it for a second, the parents that aren't agile, you know, aren't exposed to agile or agile um, minded practitioners in their day jobs, do you meet, do they have a different definition of ready? Um, to be on board with shifting the way that the children are learning? I mean, obviously every parent wants what's best for their child. And so if the parents think that that the traditional education path, all they want is a good education. So if they're not agilist or they're not in the classroom, they know what a quality education looks like. Is their kids coming home excited? Their kids being able to talk to them about what they learned. That is what all parents want. So if parents were exposed to a kind of education system, where they can, uh, where kids have more control and the kids are refining better skills for the future. I think parents would really be open to that, especially when we're talking about the ability because of a pull-based system to individualize education as well. So parents, our listening audience, I, we may have a few of you who are teachers and educators, so we'll bring you into the tent. If you're a school administrator, what the heck have you been listening to the Agile Uprising podcast for? I don't know how you got here, but you're welcome. But this this goes out mostly to parents. Do you want your kids? I'm stealing Simon's words from a previous conversation. You want your kids to grow up to be more independent, confident, persistent adults? Do you want that for your kids? You have the power. Tap into the, the superpowers of this group here. They have a they have an exciting idea and an offer. They're they're talking about setting up open lean coffee where you can come, you can talk. Who wants to tell us a little bit more about this experiment where pro-agile parents can show up? Bring your kids, bring your teachers, uh, join us for bring your own coffee. Tell us more. So we are opening up a discussion for different stakeholders in education to come and meet us so that we can all have a conversation about our concerns. What, what are your individual concerns? Because we can create user stories for, for all these different stakeholders, but it's you, the individual that really matters. And it's the individual's might that can bring upon change into larger systems. So we want to flush out this discussion and, and really get into some depth about what we do, what your concerns are, how we might be able to meet those concerns and honestly, how to just build a stronger future for our kids and not just our kids, for our teachers to make our teachers happy again. Because if we don't have teachers, we don't have an education system and we know if we don't have buy-in for parents and the teachers don't have support. And if our kids aren't learning, then what's the point of the whole thing? So we, we really want everyone to join together to have this conversation so we can all uplift each other and build stronger communities uh, through these 
really excellent practices and it, we can all benefit from what this brings to us as a community. So parents can feel good, teachers can feel good, students can be achieving. That is really the dream. Um, so we invite everyone to come and have these conversations with us so every viewpoint can be heard. Awesome offer. And where can a parent get started with advocacy? What you mentioned it's at the state level or lo even local education sections. Do you have any recommendations on where parents can get involved? Yes. And what we'll do, Colleen, is we'll release to you guys so you can put in the show notes uh, URLs to various events that we have um, to just come talk to us so people can easily get that calendared and, and know when it's happening. Awesome. So listeners, thanks for sticking through this. If this podcast touched a nerve, um, let's continue the conversation with our panelists. Look at the show notes for details to URL that will be along the lines of l-eaf.org. Can I just say one real quick thing? Um, so, what, so, so the event that we do, the team event, is called WEMOB, W-E-E-M-O-B-B. Um, Agilists will know all about mobbing and we is like, well, obviously small, but it's also the big we and the we of having fun. Um, and so that's the thing that we invite people to come to. Um, we have several a week, different times. So if you want to get your mob on or find other mobsters, um, we'd love to talk to people who are so inclined. Awesome. Again, take a look at the show notes. We'll have all the details. Uh, we, we had in our outline uh, the idea of talking about Agile in Education Diaries and Principles, but we're going to have to save that for panel podcast number two. Uh, thank you to the panelists for sharing this idea about new ways of working, uh, not just in the U.S. educational system uh, that will help prepare the next generation, but even much larger. Colleen Johnson, thank you, my friend, my co-pilot. It's been far too long between um, conversations. You got some irons in the fire? I do. I'll be in um, London in May teaching Agile Metrics for Predictability um, with Pro Kanban. So I'll be there with Dan Vacanti and Pratik Singh. Um, and then speaking at Lean Agile London on May 23rd. Um, I'll also be in Nashville. So the Nashville for Agile 22, talking 2022, talking all about uh, different frameworks. So would love to see some of you in Nashville or in London. Well, I'll see you in Nashville. Well, listening audience, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a review, a rating, leave some comments and the podcast platform of choice really helps others find us. Also share it with a teacher or, you know, play it out loud at the next board meeting. Just take it over, get your, your stage time. If you'd like to join the discussion, share your stories about how our formal <laughs> educational system failed you just like it did me. Join our Discord server. That's at agileuprising.com, you get a link. And finally, support from listeners like you. Help us cover our hosting and podcast costs. See our show notes, how to become a patron. We'll send you some awesome swag that Jay loves to create. Until next time. This is the Agile Uprising Podcast, signing out.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help so you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.